Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. Today I'm jumping out of order with a special bonus episode. I, I feel like I've been uh, doing these quite a bit lately, but today we have Netflix 2021 biographical musical drama Tick, Tick, Boom. It's directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It stars Andrew Garfield, Robin De Jesus, Alejandra Ship. Joshua Henry, Judith Light, and Vanessa Hudgens. I'm Jesse. I'm here by myself, and I'm very excited to talk to you about this musical, which has quite a bit of awards buzz heading into the award season, which is uh, starting off very, very nicely. So a Netflix film, we've got a couple of Netflix films coming out over the next couple of months that are possibly Oscar-worthy uh, nominations, and obviously all the other awards that are involved as well. But this one, I'm going to start off with The Fast Flicks, where I do a quick summary about what this one's all about. And obviously, it's a musical. Um, and this musical, it's about an up-and-coming composer trying to get a workshop for a musical that he's written in the lead-up to his 30th birthday. So if you haven't got any context behind what this one is all about, I've put together a little bit of information about where this uh, film came to the, the Netflix screens, as well as how it was adapted from a off Broadway um, style show. So I guess um, it was first announced in 2018 that Lin-Manuel Miranda would make his directorial debut with the musical adaptation of this. And um, it's produced with Imagine Entertainment uh, and they also got on board the script writer Stephen Levinson from Dear Evan Hansen, which is also another musical that has come out in 2021. So then June 2019, Netflix acquired the film and they had Andrew Garfield as the top choice to star, even though Andrew Garfield had no real singing experience before this. They were very keen to have him involved on this one. So led to principal photography beginning in March of 2020. But obviously, as we've seen with a few films recently, the production had to shut down by April 2020 because of COVID-19. And it wasn't until October of 2020 that they were able to resume shooting and then they managed to get everything they needed by November of 2020 and then obviously put together ready for a release at the AFI Fest and a limited release around the world from the 10th of November before hitting Netflix on the 19th of November 2021 as a Netflix original. So a bit of our background, I guess, is the original Tick, Tick, Boom is a sort of a semi-autobiographical work that sort of derives from the, the life of Jonathan Larson. And the events described are, are partially fictionalized, and we'll see that when I talk a little bit further about the film later on. But while... Um, you know, this film sort of affirms the John character um, and, and loosely on the original musical. It includes quite a bit of additional research, this version of it, done by the scriptwriter Levinson and Miranda. They went to the Library of Congress and, and went through Jonathan Larson's archives. And the script alludes to the fact that parts of this story are things that Jonathan possibly made up. So while some characters are, are based on people in his life and the story is based on his trying to get a a musical up and running off Broadway. There are bits and pieces that have been sort of changed around in this one. Um, the director Miranda noted in an interview that there's no actual definitive version of this musical Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, Larson worked on multiple versions of, of this show over the years, um, and it went under the title of a couple of different things. So 30 slash 90, uh, Boho Days, and then there was a 2001 script, which was compiled by David Auburn, and it include, included material cut from the last version of the script that he wrote. And 
um, I guess the the thing, and, and I might put this out there now, a bit of a spoiler alert, if uh, you wanted to check this out and, and no, have no further context behind it, so give us a pause now, but the, the film does deal with the idea in the opening scenes that um, Jonathan Larson tragically passed away only at the age of 35, so um, I guess it's it, it's an interesting story to tell um, with him not being around and, and you know, this, this musical that's touched lots of people's lives that... Um, you know, it's really hard to get his actual um, input now. Um, so there's lots of people that have worked on this. And and originally he did conceive it as a, as a one-man show. And in 2001, just to sort of tighten it up a bit, it was revised um, by the playwright David Auburn as a three-actor piece. And, and this film sort of uses that three-actor idea and sort of expands upon that a little bit more, I guess. And, and obviously this being a, a show that's known across musical circles... This film does include a lot of Broadway actors as stars in this, and as I mentioned earlier, um, Andrew Garfield was the top choice because uh, Miranda had seen um, Garfield playing on Broadway in a revival of the play Angels in America, and he felt this connection be um, between the performance, so he really wanted to, to get him on board, and, and Garfield went through a lot of singing practice and rehearsals and training to, to get himself up for this role sort of stepping back a little bit, I guess, and, and the idea that, um, you know, th this film is an adaptation of a stage show is obviously going to mean that the, the songs are sort of songs that obviously mean a lot to a lot of people, and this version of the film sort of, uh, you know, took some out from some of the stage versions, and like I mentioned, that there are so many different versions of, of this story that... Um, you know, you can't, you can't please everyone, but I think so far we can sort of say that this film is pleasing a lot of people. And I know that it is early days and it's only been out for a couple of days, but realistically, if we look at what the critics and, and audiences are saying, if we looked at Rotten Tomatoes, it, it sits on an 88% fresh at the moment on 132 reviews. So that's actually certified fresh, which is a quite a, a good thing to see early on. The audience on Rotten Tomatoes has it at 95% as well. And, and even when you look at more user rated um, websites such as IMDb, it sits on a 7.9 out of 10 on, you know, nearly 8,000 reviews, which is extremely high. And the same on Letterboxd, 26,500 people, and it sits on a 3.9 out of 5. So really, really high so far. Um, this was filmed in and around New York City, where obviously the, the, the story takes place or the narrative of Tick, Tick, Boom. And so far, and like I've mentioned before, I think Garfield is probably going to be nominated for a few awards for this performance but at this stage there's only one uh, category or award that this film has been nominated for so far and that's at the Hollywood Music in Media Awards for Best Music Themed Film Biopic or Musical. Um, obviously it hasn't been announced who's going to win that yet but nice to hear that it does have some early awards um, recognition. Thinking a little bit more, taglines. The, the tagline for this one is, how much time do we have to do something great? And that fits in really well with the story and some of the characters that I'm going to talk about very shortly um, in this film. Translations across the world. The only <laughs> I like to check out and see if there's any funny ones. And while it's uh, tick, tick, boom across the world in many places, in Taiwan, it's simply called Countdown. And in Japan, I thought this was interesting, it's called Chick Chick Boom, like a, a chicken, like Chick Chick. So um, it gave me a little bit of a giggle when I saw that one online. And that will take me into my early thoughts for this one. So 
it did take me a little bit to get into this, but once it got going, this is an enjoyable ride. It's got songs that you're going to want to revisit and some real top-notch performances. So um, like I've mentioned before, stick with me, I guess, from now on, only if you've seen this. If you're going to see it, I don't want to spoil it for you, so please do give it a pause. Come back a little bit later on, and that will take me into talking about the characters in this film. I have to start with the main character in this one, and that's Jonathan Larson, um, obviously a real guy in real life. And this musical and this film is his point of view. Everything, like I mentioned before, is true. They mentioned this, this is a line of dialogue. Everything is true except the parts that Jonathan made up. So we need to take this with a grain of salt to exactly what happened, but the, the story still plays along quite nicely in that this is a character that struggles with creativity and the idea of coming up with this one last song to complete this musical piece that he's been spending years and years upon. And and this idea sort of impacts on his relationship with, with his girlfriend and his best friend. And, and he doesn't look at those around him or what they're actually doing. Um, you know, his agent doesn't return his calls and, and his co-workers struggling. And, and to him and in the moment, everything in his life is a rush because he sees himself turning 30 and... This impacts his ability to be successful. He looks at other people in, in the Broadway, um, you know, scene, and, and he says, you know, there's so many other people that have have done bigger and better things, and, and not just Broadway, but you know, he talks about his parents and and how he sees himself as a failure if he isn't able to get this one Broadway show up and running by the time he's thirty. So, it it goes under that idea that he isn't in it all for the money. He's in it for this love, this love of music, this love of the arts, and and everything depends on this workshop that he's got set up because this is the biggest break that he's ever had. So he wants this to be successful so his friends, his family, and the people around him can see him as a success, even though they already do see him as a, as a success throughout. Um, it's his, him needing that gratification, I guess. And I, I think that as it's a musical, the songs do such a good job of explaining where Jonathan is at each part of the narrative. Um, you know, there's these lines that I'll, that I'll quote here, like treading water, making sure he's not panicking, this idea of staying a child forever, but time's flying. And, you know, he recognizes, he thought he'd had, you know, he'd have a wife and a dog and a family by now, but he has this feeling of being nailed to the floor and how can you soar or how can you grow or how can you continue with your life if you, you're constantly facing these pushbacks? And I think that, you know, I, I really enjoyed this character, even though it's very hard to see, you know, you can definitely, sorry, you can definitely see where he's at and where he wants to be, but it's so hard to, to empathize with the way he treats the people around him because he's just so blocked in on what he wants to do. Um, and I guess talking about, these people around him that, that he should be giving more attention to. The, the, the first person I'll start with is Susan, who, who's his partner. And, you know, they, they give this introduction that she was, you know, she grew up in a small town and, and fell in love with dance. And she's a dancer, but she had this, you know, moved to New York City, had a really bad injury and, and is finally getting back from that injury. And, and she's got this offer to move away. But her ability to take on her own career goals is sort of set back a bit by Jonathan's inability to to commit or his inability to see outside the work that he's doing because it's clear Susan wants a life with John, but she also doesn't want to be stuck in this rut with his inability to to think outside his work. And, and that continues on with his best mate, Michael, who he grew up with. And, and, and I apologize. I know I'm looking at all these characters through the lens of Jonathan, but that's what this whole musical is all about. So you think about his friend, Michael, and you know, he, he grew up with him. They, they did acting together. And, and he's realized it's not going to work for him. So he's taken these opportunities in the corporate world. Um, and, you know, he's, he's lived with Jonathan, but 
he's, he's starting to see that, you know, I can make money doing a job and Jonathan's sitting there, you know, living in a, a, a crappy old apartment and he wants Jonathan to acknowledge that and say, hey, it's okay to have goals. It's okay to, to set these um, ambitions of what you want to do, but you need to be able to support yourself in another way while chasing those dreams. And and I think Michael, I, I really enjoyed the performance um, and the character of Michael too, as well as Susan. And realistically, like I mentioned at the start, when this was readapted and, and it was put together as a three-person sort of play. So these are the three characters that you want to connect with the most. And the others that were added in all played an important role as well. And I'll just quickly... Um, touch on each of these. So um, Caressa, who's played by Vanessa Hudgens, sort of plays this this role in Jonathan's musical and, and has that, um, not analogy, but almost um, part by part comparison with Susan and, and how she plays that role in Jonathan's life. And, and the same, you've got these other characters like Ira, who's the, the head of the musical theatre at, at Playwrights Horizons. And this is the only dude or the only guy or theatre person who offered to to support John and put on the show. So it's nice to see that as well as the other side where um, Stephen Sonheim, sorry, Sonheim um, has this cameo, I guess, um, played by by Bradley Whitford and, and um, Sondheim has a, a voiceover through a voice call as well, which is nice. And it's good to see this extra support that, that John needed when he was down and needed that little bit of extra push. And, you know, you look at this character in real life and, and it's clear that he actually played an important role, not only in Jonathan's career, but also the director of this film, um, Miranda as well. So it's nice to see that, you know, people who make it big in industries and especially in this case in, in the Broadway industry that are still there to support you know, the, the big name supporting the smaller talent. So, you know, again, really, really nice, small little characters that sort of play on this role and, and where Jonathan's trying to go throughout his life. Um, that'll talk or take me towards Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I don't really need to tell you guys too much about him because I'm sure you know heaps about him. This is, this is the guy that created Hamilton and what a big 12 months he's had um, just in the industry. Like you look at Hamilton hitting Disney Plus, getting rave reviews, um, he released his own um, musical in the Heights earlier in the year, which was pretty well received. Then he got on board with a Sony animation picture Vivo, and he's got um, a new Disney one coming out too called Enchanto. So, I mean, what a huge year, and, and not just for um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, but what a big year for musicals too. We've, we've got all the ones that I've mentioned, but we also had Dear Evan Hansen, which um, <laughs> I wasn't necessarily a big fan of, but we've got West Side Story by Spielberg coming out at the end of the year as well, and th this is a, a big year for, for musicals all around, um, including this film too. Time for me to talk about some scenes, and start off with the ones that I liked, and, and it's really hard. I've mentioned I did enjoy this, so... There's not a lot, like, I'd like to include the whole film, but I'll just pick up a couple of nice little pieces that stood out. Um, in particular, obviously, it's a musical, so I'm going to talk about some musical scenes. Um, there's a scene in a diner, um, I think it's it's called Sunday, and this is, like, if you're into big Broadway spectacles, this is as close to that as you're going to get on the screen. It was well done, the chorus got on board, that was a really good scene. Um, following on from that, the the idea of suburbia, I'm sorry, super beer. <laughs> It's not Suburbia, Superbia, which is the original play, sort of like a sci-fi type of play that Jonathan Larson was trying to pitch. That's the underlining story of the of this film. Um, just some lines that he spoke about, what, what it's about, this MTV generation that's staring at screens of their media transmitters. And just that one line of, this is the 1990s that this film's set in. And 
I mean, it's realistically, we're 30 years later and we've still get, got that idea. We're not necessarily talking about the MTV generation, but we're talking about a generation that are staring at their screens. They're addicted to these media transmitters. They're addicted to social media. And, and it's just nice to see that in a, in a film that they're able to make that correlation between something that happened, you know, a lifetime ago. Almost, almost. Um, modern romance. There's, there's this scene where they talk about uh, Jonathan and Susan's relationship through it's like a fight song I guess which is is done through a performance on stage as well as um, intercutting scenes between the characters arguing and between John and, and Susan and, and Caressa is playing that part on stage it was edited so well and just the impact of that song was excellent so highly recommend that uh, scene from this film continuing on there's a scene where John sort of decides, hey, I need to get some cash to get some more performance, performers on my uh, on my show. And he goes to this uh, focus group that Michael sort of set up for him. And, and they do this brainstorming session. And the group's all talking about the ideas of what America means to them. And, you know, they talk about Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. And, and he has this sort of side flash or soliloquy if we're on stage where he's on about empires and racism and genocide in Vietnam. And it sort of just gives you that further insight to him as a character as to, to where he stands and how he's a little bit more alternative to the rest of what's going on at that time and why he's so focused on being an artist and, and showing the world what he has to give. So I enjoyed that scene too. Um, by far my favorite scene in this film is the scene where John and Michael sort of have it out on the street. Um, and Michael sort of says to him that, you know, John, you take all the things you have for granted. And, you know, he talks about you, you have a life with the person you love and, and Michael sort of relates that and says, you don't know what I would give for that. You know, he says that John turns his nose up at it and, and Michael goes on and talks about, I can't get married. I can't have kids. All of our friends are dying around us. It was just such an emotional scene and, and just works so well as that turning point in their relationship and almost in John's way of interpreting where he sits in society and, and with his friends and in his own little world. From that, we saw a scene where Jonathan goes to the swimming pool um, and there's a song in the swimming pool. He's burning all his energy off. There's these cool high angle shots of the swimming lanes and the lanes turn into sheets of music as he's trying to come up with this final song that he needs. Really well done. Um, and then it leads into the performance of his of his play um, and Caressa and Susan sing this new song that you know had been the stress of this whole film and Vanessa Hudgens bangs that song out really nicely. Uh, and then another song where... John has this moment in the park in Central Park where he's singing about his his life with Michael and their life together and talking about coming to his senses and there's just this piano on a stage in the middle of Central Park. He's belting it out and it starts raining and it sort of just leads on to the concluding parts of the film, which was nice. Um, and in particular, John and Susan, um, they part ways and I've given a spoiler alert, so I apologize if you've continued, that's your fault, not mine. But I, and I know in real life that, that John and this character, like her name wasn't Susan, but um, I know that him and his partner stayed together until his death a couple of years later. But I think that this was a good call in that they didn't stay together because I don't think at this stage in his life, he deserved to be with her. She needed to be able to reach out and go for what she wanted as well. Um, and finally, the, the closing part sort of gives the explanation of the real John um, and how he died the night before 
Rent premiered, which is obviously another stage show that that he created, and the the final big song with the whole cast about cages and wings. It was just a nice way to finish this film off, and um, you know, so many good scenes. I tried to cut them down as best as possible, but hopefully, if you've seen this, you, you might agree with some of the things that I've I've stated here. The only thing I'm going to touch on in that I didn't like, I, I guess I had to pick a song that didn't really stand out for me, and and while I think the um, the visuals were stunning and the, the dance movements were stunning in the song where Michael's moving into his apartment and John going to check it out. It was probably my least favorite song, um, out of the whole show. So <laughs> I know it's a tiny little thing to pick on, but that is, um, that's where I'm going to leave it because overall this was very, very enjoyable. Time to talk about some themes and some ideas or, or where, where this, this film was, was trying to say, or, or some, um, some motifs, I guess. And, I think that obviously it's set in New York City, 1990, and there's a big commentary on what was going on in and around New York during that time. Um, in the background on televisions, there's a lot of commentary on on HIV and and the struggles that the community that John lives in was dealing with, in particular with a lot of his friends being diagnosed with HIV and, and getting very ill, and they make mention of those that are, are passing on. So. I think it does it in a nice way in that they're highlighting the fact that this impacted a lot of people. Um, and it leads into that idea of compassion and empathy and perseverance. Like John, while he was so focused on his own life, he still was empathetic towards these people and, and compassionate because they were his friends. And um, it leads into that idea too of, of his perseverance. He was stuck to his one goal of achieving this Broadway show that he wanted to, to be put out there. And um, it, you know, th- this film is very much about art and about the the art community and and those that follow the process and they do it for the love of wanting to share their thoughts their ideas their skills with the world and i guess the towards the end the idea that writing or creating art around what you know is often a lot more impactful and a lot more influential than trying to write about stuff or perform stuff that you don't have a connection with so i really liked that and and it leads into that idea through John as well that he was so worried about the impact that he was having in his life and whether he was going to achieve his goal. And, you know, he was so set on doing this that it's really important for him to actually see this success. And it's nice to be able to, to see that, even though he didn't get to live that success much in his actual life. Um, the last thing that I'll talk about here, I think um, the idea of coldness was was uh, put in throughout and you know, we see it early on where John's on the rooftop with Susan and, and he takes her jacket because he's so cold. And, and it sort of highlights to me, maybe this is the idea that he's cold to the world and, and not inviting others in because he's so focused on himself. So a life without others can lead to coldness. You need the warmth of others. And um, I guess you see him have this revelation at the end where he's, I mentioned in the scenes that I liked, he's in Central Park playing and, and the rain comes down and and after that, he finally goes to Michael's place to get out of the cold and, and get warmth. And that sort of shows that development in this character that he's there for others and willing to help others out. And I kind of like that, even though that wasn't purposely done. Um, that's what I took from that anyway. And I guess some other things that I took away from this uh, about this film is like, I understand that this probably isn't going to be everyone's cup of tea. Uh, it, it's a very musical theater film. Uh, but the storytelling is done so well I'd be disappointed if people didn't give it a crack because of it being a musical. I mean, you look at, and I mentioned this before, Dear Evan Hansen, which came out this year, and that was really poorly done. And you look at this and the performances from from Garfield and Hudgens and the others, it's almost worth checking it out just for some of these performances in this, um, in this film. Uh, 
And that's almost time to wrap this up, I think. I think that I've probably given you a bit of a bit of context around it, some things that I really liked. And I guess I really want to reach out and say, if you haven't seen this, give it a go, because this is one of the better pieces from a debut director that I've seen in a while. I mean, um, Miranda's been around for a while, but this is his first actual you know, solo directing credit. And you know that Miranda has such a presence in the musical world. And for him to be given the reins for this, when he already had such a passion for it, it really comes through on the screen. Garfield is top-notch too. I mean, I can't talk his performance up enough. And I really hope he is nominated uh, at the Oscars and some other award ceremonies. There's no other way that I can put that. I think that, like I mentioned, the songs tell John's story so well. The only thing that I can think of is West Side Story maybe coming out a little bit later in the year and stealing some of the limelight towards award season. But get on board this now. Get into it because I think it's going to be out and about um, come... I think, the, I think the Oscars are in March uh, 2022. So we've still got a couple of months to go. Um, I'm giving this a four and a half out of five. This was excellent. So please do check it out if you can. We have social media. We've got Facebook, we've got Twitter, and we also have Instagram. And we're on there quite regularly with our posts. So if you can, give us a like, give us a follow, retweet us, whatever you can to give us some support. But the question that I just wanted to to pop out there to those that have listened to this is, do you think that you have to be a musical theater fan to enjoy this movie? Because I do like musicals. I I, I have, you know, quite like, especially the Disney classics that, that count as musicals. I, I love a song in a film. So I just want to know from others, do you, has anyone seen this that doesn't like musicals that liked it? That's, that's probably the question that I wanted to ask. So give us some feedback if you can. Give us a follow on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, wherever you can find good podcasts, you can find us. Um, give us a, a rating, a five-star rating would be nice. It, it helps us in the charts and helps other people get on board with our show to hear what we're doing. So... We will be back to normal episodes on Wednesday. We have a huge back catalogue too. So if um, there's a Netflix original film that you've seen, we've probably done an episode on it because I think we've got almost 180 episodes up there ready to listen to. So give us a search. Search Flix Forum with whatever film you want and you might find us. So thank you for spending some time with me. I hope you've enjoyed my coverage on Tick, Tick, Boom. And if you haven't seen it, please do. I'll speak soon.